This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Special Edition Invincible Season 1. fanboy special edition invincible season one my name is connor kilpatrick and i'm here with part of the animation brain trust paul montgomery hello hi everybody dr ryan haupt was unavailable he's in surgery but we brought on adjunct member of the brain trust josh flanagan now i haven't done one of these was i supposed to prepare in any way because i have to tell you right from the top no uh okay good okay the secret is that we never actually watch these things sure we're going off wikipedia entries That's how we do it. There's too many movies. Paul and I have been doing Wikipedia entry reviews for years. For about a decade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, some, some have said Jimmy Wales himself has credited us to really bringing them to the forefront <laughs> right, in a right. way that they hadn't been prior to us not doing work and using them right. to cheat at the stuff we were supposed to do, I believe. Why don't you move on with your show before I ruin it? So we are here to talk about Invincible Season 1, currently on Prime. So there'll be spoilers. And this is the adaptation of the Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, Corey Walker comic, Invincible, which is this property that Kirkman's been trying to get animated for years. 
There was the 2008 motion comic series. Remember that? Right. We interviewed him about I, that. Remember, I remember it from comics. the Wikipedia page. <laughs> we interviewed him about that at Comic-Con, like, you know, however many years ago that was. And I know just from friends that he's been trying to get this, he's been trying to get this animated for years. He's obviously the man behind The Walking Dead and the Empire therein. And this is his other epic. And we were talking before the show started about how this is one of those books that, not you know, obviously not now because it's over, but sort of defined I fanboy. It, it was one of our early books in the podcast that we would always recommend people would always say what, what superhero book should i read and it was always invincible 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 and it was just a little because it was a little off center it was kind of a new thing it came out in 2003 you know it, it was it was a little um it wasn't mainstream comics so right. it actually required a little word of mouth it made up for that later on but it was a little a bit of a hidden gem at the beginning because I, I don't know if people remember you know robert kirkman was not a household name which right. is how we got our show a lot early on and also, it, it it never reached the heights of The Walking Dead, you know, which is a book that defied every convention and as a, as an indie comic that grew in, in audience every issue. But The Invincible stayed like a steady, in terms of uh, sales, you know, book for the 15 years it ran. For 15 years, it's, cred- it's incredible. Not only that, I think, you know, the, one of the things about all these people who make stuff that then gets made into another property is that the comic book falls to the wayside so often. Yeah. But Invincible and Walking Dead, you know, they came out every month, forever. You hear that, George R. R. Martin? Invincible got to be a comic, right? Because yes. the show, well, the Walking Dead show, started in the middle while well, the, the book was still going on. Well, mm-hmm. Walking Invincible was a comic. The entire, I'm putting aside the motion comic series, which I never even saw. Motion comics are a thing we'd all best left in the past. <laughs> um, you know, Invincible was a comic as well, the entire what run. Did, what? What platform were motion comics on? I'm just trying to think. Like, what would you? How would you experience for the for the children listening? ColecoVision. Who have, who have so since come up? Really good question. Because you're asking it, I'm like, I I don't know. Didn't MTV I do think, it? I think you could buy them as like DVDs. I don't yeah, know. I think you could watch them in that way. You could do that. Yeah, and then I remember buying some. Through MTV iTunes. definitely did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was Invincible's yeah, MTV iTunes. motion comic. Yeah. They probably did it on their website or yeah. iTunes. I don't know. There's no, not I bet that cast wasn't nearly as good as the one they got for this show. Well, let's, so let's talk about the show. So it, uh, it was eight, eight episodes on Prime. Each episode was about 40, 40-ish minutes. It yeah. came out with it was three to start. It was like the first three came out. They dropped out three, and then, and then yeah. it was weekly after that, which is great. It encompasses the first three traits of the 25 trade run. Really? Yes. I, I just cool. assumed it was the first one because that's just what I always assume. But no, it, I looked. I, I pulled them out after the I finished watching. Well, it. He, I mean, forty minutes per episode. It's a lot. Eight episodes. That yeah. And and his his issues. The same with Walking Dead. Wouldn't really constitute an entire episode of a television program. No. But it literally it literally ends in the same scene as the final tr- the third trade. Like it's the, the same piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, it, so it's, it, there's a lot of media stuff here. Kirkman was one of the, you know, Skybound, his company was the company that did this. He has a whole development wing that people may not know about, to, to, you know, to do shows and things. So his his company produced the show. He's an executive producer. He was one, he wrote the final episode. For at least I wasn't always paying attention to the writers, but he was a writer on the final episode. Yeah, I caught, I caught that. I'll just say it. I was fucking blown away by the show. <laughs> you know, they announced it. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'll probably check it out. And then. Uh, I watched the first episode that first weekend. I didn't watch all three. I just watched the first one because it was 40 minutes and I had other things to do. And I was like, wow, that was really, really good. And then I sort of fell off of it. And people I know outside of comics, uh, like our buddy Hank, who the patrons will know from our Hangouts, he's an animation professional. He's been working in animation for four years. And he, he was like, this show is incredible. Like, this is, it is this really is incredible. impressive. It, just in terms of, like, on a technical level, for animation storytelling is great you take any of the 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 big names um in in animation and they have their their weak action sequences like oh the the b team was on this action like i wish the a team had not be a baracus right animal but like animal is a great background they had the a team working on this particular action sequence and like I don't feel like there there were weak action sequences in this. There there are sections where you're like, oh, that's a that's a weird CG background. But the the fight sequences, which are kind of what 
made Invincible Invincible. Yeah. In addition to the, the the character stuff, but like those incredibly gory, brutal action sequences. Well, this is a hard R. This is a hard R. This is an adult animated series. And the thing is, you know, Paul and I review the the DC films, which are PG thirteen and sometimes R. But they're not on this level. This is this is hard. Like R. when they go, for, like sometimes they go for an R, and it's like they're they're really trying for it in the language. Like right. they they're like we're, we're going to be tough, and we're going to we're going to use some four letter words, and that's going to make us an R rated thing. The the violence is never really the thing. The action is sometimes interesting. They yeah. they experiment sometimes, but nothing that this that like. They're doing some really cool stuff, like where they're positioning the the, the quote unquote camera, and uh, just the the choreography in the action sequences. Action sequences in this are just next level stuff. Like th- this does not look like a series. This looks like a movie, like an animated film. That's um, where they're they're. They're really bringing in the the big guns on each action sequence, and there's at least one big, huge action sequence per episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. Josh, you're not normally an animated watcher, although yeah. you watch some with your kids. What did you think overall of this? I, I like any sort of. I'm not, I don't get really excited about an adaptation of something I really like and already know, mm-hmm. because you know, if I do the math, most of the time it is underwhelming. Mm-hmm. At the best, usually it's like, that's kind of cool, but it, you don't want it to. And I think right away, uh, my inst- so I kind of watched, I was like, oh, all right, I'll check this out. And my, my sort of first reaction was uh, two things. One, I was like, this is the comic book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I don't know that I've seen a better adaptation of a comic book to an animated thing that it's it so perfectly encapsulated the thing that it, that the comic book was. I mean, it looked like it, it felt like it all translated well and, and really did the whole way through. Like it clearly, clearly Robert Kirkman was involved with this. This oh, is, yeah. this wasn't somebody, you know, developing his thing for television. That was and like Corey Walker too, who did yes. the first seven issues yeah. and then did sporadic yep. throughout the series. Yeah. Um, but like, I think he did the, like the character designs and stuff. And so it like, it is a one-to-one adaptation. And, and as you get, I think Corey Walker did the first arc and then, and then Ryan Otley comes in. My math might be off. Ryan Otley came in doing Corey Walker. Like I was looking through the first yeah. three trades and I was like, when does, when does Otley start? And I was like, Oh shit, this is Otley. Like he, in the beginning, he, he was basically aping Walker. Which is interesting because he was not, he, he hadn't done any professional work prior to that. Yeah. So he was really, I don't know where the hell he pulled him out from. I, I did know at one point, but I've forgotten. You know, and, and you've got this guy, but but I still, I think that even though their initial designs and the look of it is the Corey Walker stuff, um, you know, as they get into the action scenes, that really gory stuff, the, you know, the huge fights, fight scenes, some of the some of the other characters that show up later, your battle beasts and things like mm-hmm. that, that's Otley. You know, yeah. and the, like all that blood spattered stuff, that's Otley. And it just, it just meshed all that stuff really well, you know? And so as I kept going and watching and I was just like, wow, this is just, this is the exact experience of the comic book, but translated into an animated style that, that, you know, works for it, that complements it. it. It didn't really bring anything new other than sort of like, here's what it looks like in this kind of way. And you're like, Oh, that's neat. And I guess the other immediate impact was like, finished the first episode. And I was like, how did they get this cast? And then as I kept going cast through it, Talk about the cast in a second, but I do want to yeah. talk about Kirkman and the, and you know the, the fidelity of the of the adaptation. And I think what's interesting is two things. One is you know it was 15 years ago. I'd forgotten a lot of the details of the story, so it wasn't like I was knowing everything that was coming. So I was like, oh right, that happened. Yeah. Oh right. So there was still a bit of surprise for me in the twists because I you know the obviously I know the later book much better, and I know the the broad strokes and. But, you know, some details, I was like, oh, right, that was, the like, so that was fun for me as a viewer. But also, I got the sense that, you know, this allowed Kirkman to go back and sort of tweak things. Because it is slightly different. Like, if you, if you look through the book, which, like, I'm doing now, you know, this whole bit's missing. They change the order around. Characters are slightly different. So I feel like, you know, it allows a guy like Kirkman, who is a much more seasoned storyteller now, to go, sure. like, this is how I would have done it, as opposed to when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I forgot there's a whole bit in the middle here where like where Savage Dragon shows up. It's sort of like uh, with uh, Batman Under the Red Hood, right? Where that feels like a, a polished adaptation of the of the original comic storyline, 
where you have that's that's Judd Winnick, right? Yep. Under the right, yeah. So it's like Judd Winnick got to do the screenplay for that. So it's it's like okay, I did this years ago. How would I do it now and do it a little bit more succinctly? And you kind of I mean, you kind of have to do it more yeah. succinctly <laughs> when you're doing an adaptation when you're doing a, a you know whatever dramatic media. So I didn't stick with the Invincible comic all the way through. I, I actually read just a, a little of it at the beginning, and and I sort of liked it, but I, I kind of got what I wanted out of it. So I. I don't know. I when I heard about this, I was like, "Isn't this kind of like? It, did they did they miss, you know, the window on doing this?" But apparently not, because it's getting really decent feedback. Yep. Um, and, it's, and, and it's selling a lot of books. Yeah, yeah. That's the, I, I guess it, that's another consideration. Well, it's a perfect play for Amazon because you know the, the algorithm then links you right to the trades. Oh gosh, yeah. And, and you're going to get, you know, like, it's one of those things, like, if you like that show and you get the trades, you're going to get exactly what you wanted out of that. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, for, like, for, a- like, for me, uh, you know, I was sort of like, ah, maybe I'll, I'll watch that at some point. But I was in no rush to see it. And then, you know, uh, a, you know, a bunch of my friends were talking about it and, and saying, you know, I, I'm not into the, the whole, like, you know, over the top, brutal, gory thing. But, like, it's so technically impressive. You kind of got to watch it. And then. You know, Connor said, "Do you want to do you want to talk about this for a podcast?" I'm like, "Sure." So I checked it out, and my expectations were kind of I, I didn't have expectations. I was just let's yeah. see what this, let's see what they do. And I, I was I was kind of with that because I I yeah. you know sort of was like, "All right, I'll check the first one because I'm not doing anything right now." And I I found myself, you know, like then getting into the point where I was like, "Ooh, it's Friday or whenever day it came it's out." A, I think it's <laughs> it's a good story. I mean, uh-huh. it is. You yes. know, it Josh is. and I. It's one of our favorite. If you talk about you know. Rank your favorite comics from the time you've been doing that fanboy. I can't imagine, for me personally, Invincible is not in my top ten. I like it more than The Walking Dead, which I really liked a lot. Yeah. But the story that he ends up telling over the course of these 25 collection, collected editions, 140-something issues, was a incredibly grand epic story of this family and, and the world. And the fact that they're even getting even this much out of it, I, I really can't imagine they're going to do the entire the entire run. But um, you know, With this guy? Well, they're, they're, they're greenlit for... <laughs> Seasons two and three. So that'll take us through trade nine out of 25. There's a, a lot so, to go. Well, sure, but, you know. No, no, I, listen, you never know. You never count out Kirkman. He's he's mm-hmm. the savviest businessman in comics. But I, be, be, but I do want to get to the voices because I was going to say, was, but before you do that, I, I think before, I want to get to the, there's one animation thing that I want to fill back yeah. in is that when I was watching it, it took me a little bit to realize like, oh, this is cell animation. And it was. It reminded me of the animation, you know, of, of cartoons that Connor and I would have yes, watched when we were kids. Yes, that was a kids, great point. Great point. But done really well because if you go back and you watch the shows that we watch as kids, the animation is terrible. Oh, yeah. It's you know, it's it's you know, there's all these reused shots and and you know, it's it's very bland. And this was just that, but done really really well. You know, like uh, and I I just found and I thought it was really interesting that that's what they chose to do because it really it took me a minute to go, oh my god, this isn't CGI because everything is. This yeah. is this is the way I, I mean, prefer they use cartoons. CG in, yeah, obviously, in places yeah. like vehicles yeah. and background stuff, which we're used to from all the DC films. All the right, like the whole God. the whole bit at the end. Of, was it Chicago, the city at the end? That gets f- fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was all CG. Like that was all CG city. But yeah, for the most part, it's like even if it's well, not they, hand they drawn, they blend it, like it so well yeah. together in a way that the DC stuff is getting better at. But from yeah. the, I mean, over the decade plus we've been reviewing those they started out really rough and uh just like cars just looking like really boxy and like yeah. like pre-toy story cg and just that mapped on top of 2d animation is just rough but yeah it's like if you i mean if you think back on a show like like transformers or gi joe or thundercats or something like that in your mind's eye it looks really good but if you actually look at those episodes today, some of that animation is really rough. Don't do it, Paul. This, Don't do it. Don't ruin my childhood. Oh, well, we no. did it when we watched the G.I. Joe episodes That's at the true. beginning of it. Like, there was some bad stuff in there because that was all, you know, outsourced. You right. know, bad or you know, amazing? Both. But but it isn't what you were – what he's saying. is No, no, I, I know exactly. Like, I know, I know. Whereas this is the thing that you thought you were watching. <laughs> Like I like I still I still think like okay so the Thundercats opening credits animation is awesome, but then it goes into the regular episode and that's where it gets rough. This Invincible looks as good 
throughout the episode for the most yeah. part. Like, it's weird. The action sequences look better than the just two people talking in a room sometimes. Mm-hmm. Those look a little bit simple and, and copy and paste. But but for the most part, the action stuff just always looks really, really strong, like in the intro to those shows, which is what you remember. Right. You know, those are the, that's the animation that you take away in your head, like, you know, 15, 20 years later. Oh, yeah. The opening to G.I. Joe was terrific with the Statue of Liberty. Anyway, I do yeah. want to... Before we move on to the voices, I had another thought, which was that, to me, you know, I've, I've been talking about these cartoons for, for, you know, 20 years on my fanboy, but oftentimes the cartoons can do amazing things that the, even the comics can't do. And I think that the, the brutality of the fighting really came through in this in a way it almost can't in the comics. And Invincible is really famous for its brutal battles and blood everywhere and let how much red ink they use. But, but you've like, been looking at the you've been looking at the book though, like you have in front. Yeah. I don't remember that as being a thing that shows up until later. Oh no! But, I mean, the part in where he kills, where uh, Omni Man uh, kills uh, okay. Immortus or Immortal Man, whatever his name is, uh, he's covered, you know, head to toe in blood. Okay. But like, but there were like body parts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But the, I, remember, I was thinking about during the scene in the show where, his, you know, his dad holds him up in front of the train and then the train, you know, drives through them or they drive through the train. Yeah. Like something like that, you really can't express in, in, in static images in a comic, how sort of mm-hmm. awful that is. Yeah. To see him like, you know, going through people. And is that scene in the comics? I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't go back and read it all, but it just, it's just that kind of feeling that a visceral effect of, Oh God, this is terrible. You really, it's hard to convey in, in a, in Man, a single. When so, I knew that that was coming, I was like, I, I I could sense it in the seconds before he did it. It was like, oh god, that's this is going to be so awful, and it was. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's really this is a, this is a, one of those and, one of those situations where you say visceral, and it actually is worth. And you and you see that scene. And you think, well, at least it'll just be animation, and you won't see what happens. And then like someone gets crushed, or a leg yeah. flies by, and you're like, ah, oh, I kind of didn't want to watch that, but I'm impressed. So, in the same vein of going back and changing things and making the story better. Uh, one of the things they did in the show was they made it much more racially balanced. You know, when the book came out last, uh, originally, characters almost all white. And Kirkman talked about in an interview recently that, you know, really? he's like, I was Kentucky and my Corey Walker's from Arizona. We didn't really think about racial diversity when we made the comic. And so, you know, you've got, uh, first of all, the big change is that Mark Grayson's you know, his mother are Korean in the cartoon. And his girlfriend, Amber, is black as opposed to a blonde girl in the comics. So that there's a lot more of that you know, making it much more balanced in the show. And that leads to the voices. Now, again, Paul and I do this all the time, talk about these shows. A lot of big-name actors are not good voice actors. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, a, it's, it's, it's like when we talk about, like, a prose writer yeah. moving to comics. They're, a, they're often very flat in their performance. I was so impressed. First of all, the cast is Murder's Row, and we're going to read the names off in a second, but... The quality they brought to the roles. No one. I didn't. I didn't think anyone was bad. Steven Yeun is an incredible voice actor. He was amazing. He's an incredible He's voice actor. He's an incredible actor. But I was like, this guy could be Spider Man. I was know, continually like, impressed by the, the the quality of the voice acting from, especially from right. him. Like he, I, I was once an episode. I was like, damn, that was incredible line reading. And the thing is, like, again, because we do this all the time, I think I'm th- always thinking about the performance from that. And it's just. It's not, it's not, you can't write it, you can't just, you know, assume it's going to happen because it's a big time actor. There's, there's just not, not always the case, but but everyone in this show was incredible. Walton Goggins playing very much against type. His character mm -hmm. is very restrained and quiet. And that was, I mean, Stephen Young, Sandra O, J.K. Simmons, Zazie Beetz, Walton Goggins, Jillian Jacobs, Andrew Reynolds, Chris Dimantopoulos, Zachary Quinto, Jason Manzoukas, Clancy Brown, Mark Hamill, Ross Marquand. Marsha Ali, John Hamm, Seth Rogen, you know, Lauren Cohen, Chad Coleman, Michael Cudlitz, Jeffrey Donovan, Jonathan Groff, Michael Dorn, Jaimon Huntsu, Ezra Miller, Lenny James, Sonequa Martin-Green. Several people doubling and tripling up on roles. Yeah. Reginald Vell Johnson playing himself. That was kind of cool. <laughs> it's a murderer's row. And even, again, our buddy Hank, who works in animation, was like, I don't know how they got this cast. And how they got it was it's Robert Kirkman and a lot of them... I, I did like the joke that the uh, the Justice League team was all voiced by the big actors from The Walking Dead. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it was, every time I'd look that actor up, I'd be like, holy shit, it's that person? Like, it was just, yeah. it was, it's and, just and like incredible. in small roles. Yeah. 
you like really you got this guy to come in like, like, like John Hamm yeah 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 I like thought, a well, recurring was... but pretty small role yeah and I thought well, like when so... Mahershal Ali showed up like he's just one character in the beginning he didn't even come back for a while yeah and I was like really they just had him come in for that <laughs> I, I think the other thing that was interesting about it is that and listen I'm not the expert like you guys and I actually I actually mean that uh, in that I don't think about it that much but you know a lot of those I'm very good with voices like I'll mm-hmm. hear something and I'll be like oh that's the person that's who I hear and so a lot of times I can find that distracting because I'm just seeing that person. But man, you know, like I'm a longtime fan of J.K. Simmons, as mm-hmm. is, you know, anybody yeah. who's paying attention. You know, I lost him in there. You know what I mean? Like I did. After a while, he just is the character. Yeah, he is. And then I go, oh, that's that sounds like Jake. Oh, it is. You know, but he really like it's a voice that I'm incredibly familiar with. And he just he was that character. And at first I thought, I don't know that he sounds like that in my head. But it it worked. Sandra Oh, I thought was was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, you know, same deal. But yeah, the the main cast was just just really great. Really, really impressive, and uh, worked really well. I mean, like you know, Zachary Quinto's robot. I think the same thing. Like eventually, sort of melted into his into his character in the same way that like yeah. in the beginning, I was like, oh, that's Zachary Quinto. And after a while, I sort of forgot that Clancy Brown is Damien Darkwood. Was he in the comic? The Hellboy character? I don't remember. I didn't remember that at all. Then I had I'm... to look up. I was like, wait, was Clancy Brown Hellboy? <laughs> no. <laughs> he wasn't. He was never Hellboy. He should have been. But I, I'm shocked that he wasn't. It's weird. I don't remember that character being in a comic at all. It could have been. Again, it was 15 I years ago. I was just but... like, oh, Hellboy's here. Okay. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> well, Hellboy's not like an, like, Hellboy is not actually like an investigator. It's a, I mean, like, it's very Hellboy-like. Right. But it's, it's Hellboy, but it's, you know. Same way. It's like all. it's like Hellboy and Detective Chimp. Yeah, fused into one. It's also interesting to watch them like this with the knowledge of what's to come. Like the whole time, I'm like, get this Amber girl out of here, you know? Because <laughs> I, I, I made her a lot more sympathetic. Because character she, Amber in the book, as I recall, was like really annoying and terrible. As I recall, okay. so they made they they really fleshed out Amber. That they, was my least favorite part of this season. Oh yeah, that that you just you just like come on, come on, Adam. It's just so tedious, and I felt bad because it was like she seems like a cool girl. She's being written as a cool girl. She's uh, being voice acted by a very cool actress, and you know she's got to be the complaining girlfriend who's always mad that Mark is late to things. Well, the thing that come worries on. me is that you know in the comic, once they split, it's over. I don't think we saw her again. Maybe a couple times, but they, she's brought back in here, and I was like, "Oh, do, they're not going to keep her around, are they? Like, they're not going to like string this out because pretty much in the comics, as soon as they break up, she he, he markets together with Adam Eve, and that's it for the whole rest of the series. So I'm okay. I'm, I'm uh, I was worried because when you know, basically the very end, they go they go to like the diner and Sarah and Adam and the the best friend, and they're all just like, oh, she no. could be part of the crew. Yeah, but that becomes awkward. Anyway, I. Well, there you go. <laughs> it was fun as a longtime reader because it was there were new things or different things or or, th- or things you remember. But it was also, you know, fun. A lot of people I know who never read the comic loved it. Really loved it. Sure. It really reminds me of also on Amazon Prime. It reminds me of like The Boys. It was sort of well. That's what they recommend you watch when you finish. <laughs> yes, the French Boys episode one. <laughs> but I think it's just one of those things that. It was a surprisingly good adaptation, and unlike Invincible, it was actually better than the source material, I think, and many yep. people have said so as well. But also just, you know, it's one of those you don't need to have known the comic book or have been a fan of the property in order to pick it up at all. And I think, you know, obviously Kirkman's got a talent with that kind of thing. Um, but it kind of it, – and, it and it was just surprisingly good. Like I was, I was looking around like, did they, did they know they could do this? This is – why aren't other things better? <laughs> they get you with that really great hook at the end of the first episode with the fight with, I mean, it, if you don't know that twist, I, I remember it in the comics, right? Which also honestly doesn't happen until the second trade. Like it's pretty deep in the story. Yeah, that's that, interesting. That happens. Okay. Cause I mean, I, I knew that much. I, there was a lot of stuff here that was completely new to me. I watched it with someone who hadn't read the comics. And when that happened, she was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And same reaction. <laughs> Another friend of mine, she was she was like, What was that ending? I was like, Yep, that's the that's the whole thing. That's like the that's like the red wedding of superhero fights. <laughs> it's it's 
It's the Thunderbolts of indie superhero comics. <laughs> the long tradition of evil Superman stories, which is what, the, what this is. And this did a really good job of making you feel that terror. Like, there's nothing that can stop him, you know, other than his son. Yeah. And it's just like, no matter what they throw at him, and even when they get really close, you know, his son saves the day before the, he realizes what's going on. But, you know, there's just, it's just terrifying. There's nothing that can stop that guy. And uh, uh, the, the, the anxiety of that was really strong. And I think that one of the fun things about that book is that that's a that's a really good observation, by the way. But the thing about the book is that that threat keeps growing and is ever present because yep. as we sort of learn about the Viltrumites or we do it of like that is always the thing like there's there's no way that right. this this can be like the threats are real and it is maintained. And that's pretty special. The Invincible was a book with true superhero stakes. It told an epic fifteen-year yeah. superhero story that had real stakes. People, you know, came. They got cloned and came back to life. And yeah, in them, but best superhero ways. But it was also a book where people died and horribly and yeah, and, and trauma it, happened but, but, and and Mark was affected by trauma and, and it had enough behind it that it was you know it had all of the sort of continuity and stuff that you want out of big two comic books really mm -hmm. that you can't get anywhere else. So it had that plus you know, consequences and, and, you know, no interference for any other reason. What happens in the story is what they want to happen in the story. And uh, I, I was really special. impressed with just how bald the analogs are. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like just like the, the guardians of the globe are the justice league. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. pretty much one-to-one. -one, you know, there is a wonder woman. There is the a justice Superman. league as led by Abraham Lincoln. As led by Abraham Lincoln, yeah, exactly. He was Abraham Lincoln, and 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 like like we said, there is there is a Hellboy, pretty much character in yep. Damian Darkblood, and he's pretty cool. And that's what it would be like if Hellboy was in the DC, or I guess Detective Chimp, and he's already in the DCU. But anyway, it's I mean I as 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 much as I've been a detractor to like the the dark DC live action movies. This is dark and adult and mature, but in a thoughtful way. Like and fun are, way. And, I, and I think fun. That, I think that any of your rules like that, meaning like I don't like dark depiction of the DC right. characters, yeah. that's one of those things that is usually true. But every once in a while, something's real good. And that it's, trumps it's everything. It's true until it's not. And yeah, and it's and it's still the exception. You know, it's like it's like you know Connor and I are, will will say like well, we don't really like horror comics, and then there'll be a good horror comic. You know, like you know, good's good, and and you have to you have to be able to recognize it and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Who did you end up liking a lot? Who ended up being some of your favorite characters from season one? Um, a lot of characters. you mentioned you mentioned yeah. There's a lot. So, so some so surprise ones. I really like the concept behind the is it the Mauler twins. Yes, mm -hmm. Paul. This is, Just the, uh -huh. That's why I asked the question, because I was like, I love those guys. Like, they're, they're, they're assholes and they're awful, but I ended up really liking them. It's just a really one. cool concept that, like, yeah. they, one always thinks it's the clone of the other, and, and they, they and end then up way in, they give you, and, yeah. they give you an explanation for it, though. That's what I loved. I was like, oh, that's why they're arguing. But they do it on purpose. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just a really smart idea and twist on just the big bruiser thug kind of villain. Right. And it's like when you first see them, like, oh, you think, you know, like they're these guys. But then, like, the more you learn, but there, there's like a lot of layers there. And I, I could see. And they're just, they were just fun to be around. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, they, I assume they'll come back in season two. Like, there's more you can do with these characters. I, I really like the stuff with them and, and Robot, the, the Zachary Quinto character. Robot becomes um, Robot's a very interesting, complex character that becomes really important to the story. Because at, at first you're like, oh, he's the robot guy. He's like, he, this is like Doom Patrol. Like, okay, right. and and Doom Patrol, th that those characters are complex in their own way. But th this is you know a, a different thing. So it's like like I was saying, like it's it, they're really bald one to one analogs of you know characters you've seen before from the start. But then they go to really interesting yes. divergent places. And that was, that was neat to see, especially as someone who hasn't, who has only read the beginning of the comic series and didn't, mm -hmm. you know, see where they went there. Josh, I think it's tough. I don't know that I've thought about it this way, but, um, 
sometimes the best gay friend can be sort of silly. And I think in the comic books, it was a throwaway thing, but I thought that the performance in this was really good mm-hmm. and it, it sort of their friendship seemed more solid than it did in the comic. As well, it also really embraced a foil. his lifestyle. Yes. Which is often not the case is openly talking about having sex and, you know, yeah. all kinds of things that you don't normally get in a, in a mainstream property. Yeah. Like they say uh, that they're a gay character, but there's no actual right. follow through on it. Yeah, but it was sort of fully imagined. Right. Um, yeah, yes. And I just, it really did feel like he had a person that he could trust, you know, in that, in that same way. It's almost like his, when I originally read the book, I didn't care so much about the personal characters in his life as sort of the adventures that were going on and, and sort of the bigger set pieces. But in this, like, I, I found like I, I was really interested in the mother's story mm-hmm. because she was so... They fleshed her out a little bit too. Yeah, so there was there was more to that. I, I, Cecil is a character who... It was always kind of weird in the comics, and we didn't know where. But I thought that the again the performance of the voice, and 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 that I know there's much more to what's going on than possible. But I don't remember the specifics of it, and I I just thought he he was really fascinating because I thought maybe he's not so bad because in my in my in my in my head I remember the comic book is like no he's much worse than he seems. But in this I I was I was kind of like maybe he's not. You know I I just they had they had murkied it up enough uh, that it was sort of new to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that the voice acting had a lot to do with that. I don't know. Come back to me if I... I'll... I think that character had some great expressive animation, too. Yes. Yes. And uh, everyone's favorite from the book, I loved Alan the Alien, who oh, yeah. becomes He's... extremely important later on in the book. Here he sort of shows up once and shows up at the end. And Seth Rogen was... A, when they announced it, I was like, Seth Rogen's doing Alan the Alien? And I thought, all right, Interesting. But by the end of it, well, he's he really a, he's a producer for it. on the yeah. show. I think. Yeah. yeah, he's he basically he's the guy. If they make a comic book property, then he has to be attached as a producer now forever. Is <laughs> from what and I understand. I, I, well, it's David Goyer now. It's Seth Rogen. I like yeah. Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah, I think he's great. He seems like a cool dude, just in general. I thought the voice really worked for Alan Alien. I don't think he's actually done anything I've liked for a decade or so. So that, that he tends to lose some steam with me on that. But also he's responsible for whatever that preacher show was. But uh, you know what I, I actually liked when Alan comes back at the end? There was this like, you know, oh, I have someone I can talk to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Mark was feeling overwhelmed by everything. And then they're like, oh, man, let me tell you about this. They sit down and they start to. And, and to Alan is the only person who isn't going to go, oh, my God, really? Wow. Like he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. You know. It's just this kind of cool peer thing that happens there. It's a great relationship yeah. in the comics. It's it's really incredible. I just keep looking at the, the list of names. You know, Jason Manzukas, I love, and Rexplode can be annoying in the book and in the show, but I thought by the end of it, I really liked him as well. Um, even though I don't totally understand his powers. He, he makes throws, his gambit? Is he gambit? He's gambit. Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't. But like, does he it. make those? I think he was... No, because at the beginning he was carrying around stuff. Like he has to have something he's carrying. I thought. But he, so at one he point he was like throwing like letters at people. I think that's like a gimmick. I don't know. That team was all fun too. Duplicate, you know, the that whole the sort of Doom Patrol slash Teen Titans who become the Justice League. You know, was was fun. I love the Taylor character that Mark Hamill voiced. I just everything about this yeah. I love. Uh, the only thing, the interesting note which I assume was a legal problem, was that uh, the character of Isotope, <laughs> the villain, who was based off of the look of comic book store owner James Syme, friend of iFanboy, did not look like James Syme in this show. I assume that some lawyer somewhere said, no, you can't do that, or you have to pay him money. He does have a very iconic reality. real-life look. Yeah, and I mean, in reality, he'd probably like, cool, put me in it, don't worry about it. <laughs> but they didn't want to take that chance. Yeah, I mean, he looked exactly like James Syme in yes. the comics. Um, but okay. here, he's just yes, he's got a mullet instead. I vaguely remember that now. But what's great about this season is that it seeds all kinds of things. So you have the crime boss. That, that what happened in that episode. And then you have uh, Duplicate, and you have Robot, and you have Monster Girl. And that's going to be interesting later. And you have Alan the Alien, and you have the Viltrumites. You have all kinds of things that are going to lead to this tapestry of, you know, this whole world, if they end up doing the whole thing, which, like, like we said earlier, you don't don't care. Like they, they come back to that um, uh, mummy guy. The mummy guy. There's the there's an in a um, a tangent in Egypt at the beginning of like episode two or three, and uh, another Clancy Brown voiced character, an archaeologist, goes into a tomb. And maybe. 
like an evil spirit comes. <laughs> it's fifteen years then, of stories, and then and then the um, the door comes slamming shut on it, and then we never go back to it. They must. There's there'd be no reason to put it in otherwise. I also like the what's um, Battle Beast, the Michael Dorn character. Oh, well, Battle Beast! Is How important. he just lays waste to everybody. Yeah. Battle Beast is important. Battle Beast is a really important character, and that's that's an oddly one. Yeah. What was also reinforced here was how great the character designs in this book were. Like, really. Like, I, I think in the Invincible, the original Invincible costume was like an all time great costume. And it's got the fucking image logo right on it, and it doesn't bother me. <laughs> and yeah, all these, you know, analogs even look great on their own, you know? Mm-hmm. It was a really good looking show from a design standpoint, from an animation standpoint. It sounded great. The action was terrific. The book was compelling. The show was compelling. I mean, it really just it captured that feeling really well. I don't know if you caught this. I feel like some of the uh, needle drops are maybe from a mixtape that Kirkman was listening to when he originally wrote the comic. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> He's got like the hive on here. Hives? Hives, yeah. Hives. 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 They were going to be the next Nirvana. And then the vines were going to be the next Nirvana. Right. And then. <laughs> it was the the period of music in it was. the early aughts. I mean, that's probably what that is. I mean, it's not like he hides his uh, in- influences on his sleeve. Every trade is named after an 80s sitcom. Yeah. So, you know. That's right. The first three trades are uh, Family Matters is the first one, Eight is Enough is the second one, and Perfect Strangers is the third one. And the, the amazing thing was the titles always corresponded to what happened in the trade very, very well. I like uh, until I was I was looking at the list of all the trades, and it it's like it, it holds to the sitcom thing until it absolutely doesn't, when it's like the Viltrumite War. Yeah, and then it goes back to it. <laughs> it's weird. It was weird. Right. That was it's, weird. There's like... I think it's like four or five that aren't based on a sitcom name. I was not not against watching them, but like I said, I watched the first one. That was really good. Then I didn't go back for weeks because there's a lot of other things, not just on TV, going on in the world. And so I was just like, oh, I'll get to it eventually. But then just the momentum on the show kept building every week. People well, were like, this we're, show we're in incredible. our chat, I was like, are you guys watching this? <laughs> no, I haven't got to it. I was like, it's really good. And I'm going to assume when I say that about an animated show, <laughs> right. you're going to be like, really? That was definitely one of the things. It was you, and it was Hank, and it was a bunch of people I know who were like, "This was this is really really good." So, and I got tired of being like, "Are you watching this?" No, <laughs> get to it. But um, I'm glad I, I did. Say, it was incredible. For anyone who hasn't watched it yet, or, or was waiting for it to all be completed, a good way to watch it. I watched it on my iPad on the Prime app or whatever, and if when you tap the screen, it'll pull up the what the, what do the, they call the it X ray on Prime, yeah. and the it'll show you the voices. I was doing that the whole time. I was watching the whole thing on my iPad, and I just kept tapping the screen whenever it, a new it scene actually started. works. It works on the browser. You just click on the screen, or okay. it works. It even works on Apple TV. Yeah, you, you just, just click tap the remote. Tap the button. Yeah, it's okay. one of the best innovations that they uh, they put in. I, I get so annoyed with the other apps. Like, <laughs> why don't, don't do you it. have this? this is, <laughs> at the same yeah, time, I was like, wait, who's that? Or like, what's that song? Because yeah. it'll tell you what the song is it's playing, yeah. and where they'll put up it's, a factoid. Really, I'm. I think I'm actually glad the others don't have it because it can be incredibly distracting. Yeah, you know, but you for this, the, it was you don't get to play the game. Like, well, who the hell is this? You know, but uh, it's probably better. And there, there's some fun trivia in there too. Like there was the the point where I tapped it and it was like, "Yep, Immortus was also Abraham Lincoln." Yeah, he was. Oh, Kirkman, stop calling him Immortus. That's Kang. <laughs> Immortal it's a man. Character. Immortal man. Is it Immortal, Immortal man. man. Immortal man. I'm sorry. So animation being the, the 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 thing that it is, you know, often animated shows are renewed in multiple seasons because they have a long lead time and it takes a while. So as Paul said earlier, they, this show was announced for two and three. Who knows how long it'll take to get to that point because it takes a long time to do animation. But I'm now I'm looking forward to season two. I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Also, I'm excited for people who've never watched it to get to experience this story. It's, it is one of the best comic book stories of the last 20 years. I think it's probably one of the only, I mean, also next to walking dead. It's one of the most sort of stalwart and just a really good original comic book. Yep. Story. There haven't been that many. There's not many, there's not many that have had really long runs. You know, they, there, there aren't any indie comics other than the walking dead that go, you know, a hundred something issues come out regular as rain start and finish. I mean, that's, and the thing is like, it's, it's full of analogs, but it goes off in different directions. Yeah, I was going to say, as someone who is really, like, I just 
groan every time I see another image of Superman with the glowing red eyes. Yeah. Like, I'm so tired of them going back to evil Superman or, like, you know, mind-controlled Superman, badass Superman, Superman in a black costume, whatever. Like, this is a good one of those. It's because it's more than that. Right. Yeah, and it also there's this, there's the layers between the, the father son relationship and the and then Nolan and his wife Debbie. There's a lot going on. It's not just evil Superman. There's a lot of betrayal. Man, when, a lot of hurt. At the feelings. end of the scene, when he says that he thinks of her as more of a pet. Yeah. That I just that made me like it was a pit in my stomach. I was like, <laughs> God, what an because I knew she was hearing it. Yeah. Like, God, what an or like. If I heard, you know, if if you heard your dad say that about your mom, like, because he's saying it to his son, like, yeah. God, I would, you know, that's when you, that's when you go on a rage, like, that's an awful thing to say. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff that really set the book apart was that it it dived into some really heavy emotional stuff that went along with the action and the violence and all you know the jokes and everything. I thought Invincible season one was terrific. I was really impressed. Looking forward to more. I'm impressed by the production, the voice acting, everything. The way they've updated the series and made it more refined. I, it took one of my favorite books and did a really incredible job of telling the story. Telling the story from the comics, but in a way that felt fresh and fun. I agree with you. I also agree. Well, we got that worked out. Again, with, you know, to go back to what we keep talking about, Paul and I do this all the time, talking about these DC movies, which are ostensibly animated adaptations. But it's hard to... Stay true to the story when you get you know seventy minutes to do it. Seventy so, minutes. Whereas here, they re, you know you get it gets to breathe like the comic, and you get to tell you know little jokey bits or fun. Well, little I mean, sides. that's the interesting thing is is if uh, you know Kirkman hadn't been able to take this series out to, I mean, let's say forty, fifty issues, no one would remember it, right? Because you really didn't get a chance to get good at it and build out this world and make all these things compelling, and you get to see over time that wow, they really and, and you know you even get to see. Ryan Otley develop into an artist over yep. that. So, like it was a whole thing that had it just been a shorter version of the thing, it would have been a blip. But somehow he managed to. I mean, obviously he's got a talent that we didn't know at the time, but he managed to keep this thing going and keep it on schedule and keep it coming out. And that's where all this stuff flowers from. Which yep. I just think is really cool. Yeah. And I just think for the artists, it must be so cool to see something that they worked on all these years ago, their formative years to see it in motion in a way that really pays tribute it to their, their style. Yeah. And they get a check. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know when people promote something on their social media or something and, and <laughs> you get the sense they're doing it, you know, because you're supposed to, and then you get the sometimes it's you get the sense that like they're really into it. Like I got the sense that Ryan Hotley was really into this. That's good. Like he he just kept like posting stuff about it and then when battle beast came out he he you know he put early sketches up and he talked about it and how he felt about it and you know it, there was a real personal element to it so you know as one of the people it, it's one thing to be like oh robert kirkman you know he's had another hit he's done it again he's successful but like when you see a guy like ryan otley who you know i've known for a long time and, and he's just this guy who showed up with talent and enthusiasm and that was it to to see people respond to the thing that he's doing and to know that he's going to benefit from his work in this way that, you know, most comic book people don't get a chance to. And they're going to really benefit cool. on the hundreds of thousands of books they're going to sell from the show. Yep. Like this is going to be really good for the, for the artists and, you know, Kirkman's already incredibly mega wealthy, but yeah. it's going to be really great for Ryan Otley and for Corey Walker as well. Yep. And I think that, it it should be. I just like that's one of those feelings. Like this is how it is supposed to be, and I that's great. It makes me feel really good, and it's really good. It's one thing like you can get your paycheck, but have your paycheck be really good and be a really wonderful form of the of the work that you created. That's a win win. Yeah. And I think it's it's probably cool for the artist when it's a live action thing and like oh seeing it in you know realized in in live action, but for it to be an animation, it's like seeing you know your stuff in motion. Mm -hmm. It's much truer to the comics. Yeah, it's, it's much, much truer. It's much truer. And, and, and I thought about that, you know, I don't know when you first started saying it, Connor, but like, it's almost like animation is the best showcase for yep. superhero stories, even better than a comic book. Yep. This is a really good case study for that. And, and like at the beginning, I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm watching this through a couple of different lenses. And one, one of them is like, should this have been live action or is animation the right venue for this? And very quickly, it, it's apparent that this has to be animation. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Was it? Was there a development of a live action thing? I'm sure at some point someone put it in development, especially after Walking Dead. No, I mean up. just now. Like I feel like that was a thing that was just announced, but I, I might be wrong. But either way, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to make any of the compromises that are made for live action. And look, we all love that stuff too. But like compromises yeah. are made in live action as opposed to comic pages, which you can you can keep true to in animation. And that's what's great about superhero animation. I've been saying that for years is that it can still have the look and feel of the comics without having to have the heroes take their masks off all the time. Or the stuff, to, the stuff with Omni Man yeah. versus the Guardians of the Globe at the end of that first episode. Like, there's a bit where he just like where he's got the Martian wrapped around him. And he does this little like pivot, like just to like get a breather and to, and to shift his momentum. And I like almost gasped as I was watching. It was like the, like the the amount of forethought and choreography in that. It's not like he's just doing the same moves over and over again. He's not just like pummeling them. Right. He's doing like all these individual things, and some of them, it's like a really dramatic kill. Like he slices through a person. Sometimes it's just really simple. Like like uh, the Green Ghost, I think, gets dispatched like instantly. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are just for, like Abe Lincoln gets, you know, it's it's a big deal. And and just, I don't know, I, I was so impressed with that. And like, you that you can't even come close to that in live action. I'm a little disappointed they didn't get Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, tell you what, we can say that the, uh, that the cast is impressive, but if no, they'd gotten him, then it would be. I mean, <laughs> was, isn't he retired? Yeah, he's making well, shoes. Well, he's cobbling. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you want to call that retired, I yeah, guess. Adam works. Sandler? It's just a different call. Adam Sandler did a movie about being a cobbler. I'm mixing up Adam Sandler and Daniel Day-Lewis. All right, so at the end of the day, we, we really like this series, this first season, uh, which again encompasses the first three trades. If you're curious, if you've never read Invincible, Paul, anyone else? I would I hardly recommend the book. It, it's Everything you loved about this season is in the book. And, oh, sure. And I, I would recommend anyone... It's an epic. It's a true epic, and they really capture that feeling in the first season of the show, and I'm looking forward to more. I guess we do, we'll do ratings on it. I guess ratings out of five. I'm going to give it f- four and a half. I mean, for what it is, I give it a five. I also give it a four and a half. Because right. Amber deserved better. <laughs> and I didn't like that episode where they went to the college as much as the other ones. Mm. But it was very good. <laughs> I don't want to end on a like middling note, but like, that, wasn't, if wasn't, I had did, a criticism. Didn't they buy hot dogs from a hot dog cart? And I was like, that, what? I would have done that. that I would have done great. that too, but that, there was no hot dog cart on our campus. Hey, what? They had brought a hot dog cart. Tar- that guy would have cleaned up. Yeah, that guy would have boat by now. <laughs> no chance that that doesn't happen. No, of course not. But, but what I like is where we spend an hour going, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And then Paul, right at the end. Yeah, but. <laughs> I didn't it like is. that part. Well, that's because well, that's Hout's not here, and I, I needed to. <laughs> Is that his job? Fill that role. <laughs> so, we're looking forward to more Invincible whenever it comes out. And in the meantime, Paul and our other partner, Dr. Ryan Haup, talk about the DC animated films. The next one coming is coming up very soon. In fact, probably next week is the JSA World War II film, followed up shortly by the Batman Long Halloween Part One film. So those will be coming at you in the next month. And of course, Josh and I have our weekly comic show, the Pick of the Week, where we talk about the week's books. Are you guys still doing that? Still doing it. Cool. Can, do you know how we can stop? It's nice to nice to hear the spinoffs doing good. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks for listening, and we'll be back. Until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Josh. I'm not coming back to this one for a while. Yeah.